0: Now here's the show.
1: It's important you tell your whether it's you know, lawyers, conveyances or otherwise, you know, what what you're trying to achieve so that you know that person enacting for you is really best placed to make sure you're gonna get what you want out of that.
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taren Schump, and in this episode, we'll continue the conversation with Tony Collett. He's well-established in the property legal world and regularly advises clients in investment properties. According to him, there is never a dull day in the office. Find out more helpful advice from Tony to help you achieve your property goals. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. According to Gullert, one of the common mistakes that investors find themselves in is with impulse purchases.
1: I guess the most obvious one is when we get the story on a Monday morning clients who've, um, over the walk weekend, which is walking past a particular property, saw that an auction was going on and decided to walk in and, and register and next thing you know, put their hand up and they've walked away with a, a property that we've really done very little, if any, due diligence on. Gosh.
0: So, How often com- does that happen, I wonder? Come Monday
1: morning, we get a contract um, saying, well, we've exchanged on this. Can you give us some advice? So, <laughs> you know, it always Makes me just sort of wonder and hope and pray that everything is going to um, work out for them. But again, it's something that's beyond our control when they walk in on a Monday morning. So look, it doesn't happen a whole lot. But having said that, it's it's certainly you know every other month we'll we'll have we'll have a typical situation like that. Um, look, some of those people will be a little bit more sophisticated, so they're able to manage it themselves. But just I guess to take it back to basics, if you know a particular client's going to be interested in in making a, a potential property purchase, first thing's going to be from our point of view, at least when we get involved, is generally getting hold of a contract to review so we can advise them about the nature of that property, at least from a legal sense. So let's take a a unit, let's say a strata unit as an example. Um, One of the first things on top of actually looking at the contract will be getting them to, well at least we would advise them to do what's referred to as a strata report Um, which is really a proxy or the equivalent of if you take a standalone house doing a building and pest inspection. So you're trying to get a sense of just the bones of the place to whatever degree you can. So effectively what a strata report will do is look through the strata records and then give you a report so you know, well, is the building about to collapse? Are they about to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a new lift or, or new concrete cancer throughout the building? And is that why the vendors basically looking to exit before there are a whole lot of special levies that are going to be struck and, and the owner is going to be lumped with.
0: Gillette stresses that the devil is in the detail. His team regularly reviews special conditions to ensure that their clients are getting the right deal.
1: From a legal point of view... We'll look at the contract um, and, and make sure that what they're going to actually get on title, for example, is there a car space, which lot are they actually looking to buy and making sure that that's the one they've inspected. Um, and then we'll advise them on a whole lot of, there'll always be a whole lot of special conditions in that contract, which we won't bore our clients everything with, but obviously we need to advise them uh, in relation to, and they can be everything from things such as release of deposits, which, again, we generally recommend against, but some vendors will try to get a deposit released after an exchange so they can use it on a subsequent purchase, which we generally try and shy away from. Um, and then, obviously, the main things from the client's point of view are things like settlement period, just making sure, for example, right now with the lead-up to Christmas, so a standard settlement period is six weeks, uh, at least here in New South Wales. So what we'll generally find is at this time of the year, fast-forward six weeks and we're basically talking early January, which generally banks aren't going to be too able to attend to things and and from both sides, so we just need to know going in that either we're going to do a very short settlement before by mid-December or are we talking a mid-January onwards um, settlement. So making sure that the vendor who's actually selling the property is on title. Uh, Again, in the East, we see a lot of deceased estates um, and that can really blow out the settlement period because generally the vendors are the executors of that estate um, and then they need to get on title, uh, which relies on probate happening. Um, so it helps being an estate firm as well. So we at least understand that process, and we can advise our clients about what that process is. Um, but look, having said that, we've we've had matters which literally have dragged on over a year because of an outstanding probate issue. Um, and can you, that you explain can happen.
0: what is a probate?
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. So what happens is on the death of a, of an individual. Depending on how the holding is of that property, um, just go back to basics, which may be helpful for listeners. Um, Property, let's say it's a husband and wife who are looking to buy a potential uh, property. They will generally go on title as what's referred to as joint tenants. Now, joint tenants, the alternate to joint tenants is what's referred to as tenants in common. Uh, which will be more if, like if it's a business relationship, two people going into partnership together to buy a property in a syndicate-type situation, for example. So in the case of joint tenancy, the rule of survivorship um, is the main doctrine to, to be aware of. So what happens is on the death of any one of those spouses, the other spouse, effectively, their share gets enlarged and they end up the sole owner of that property. So what happens is the first person who is... Who's, Who's died, their estate and their will won't in any way have any reference to that title, that property, because what's happened is automatically the property is transferred into the sole ownership of the surviving spouse. Then, when that surviving spouse dies, they will then that property will form part of their estate on their death. And then, if they've got a will in place, and we'd always recommend people to have a will in place, which is not involved, but if they're buying assets it's worth having that in place for them. Um, once that will, let's say, says, look, hand over, you know, my balance my estate to my son or daughter, for example, um, we need to transfer that property from the estate to the daughter. Um, now, there'll be someone referred to as an executor who's appointed under the will to effectively administer and transfer that property from the estate to the beneficiary, let's say the son or the daughter, um, and now the probate is the process by which the executor applies to the Supreme Court of New South Wales to be appointed under the Supreme Court as executor, be granted probate and therefore be able to take the title to the property of the deceased estate, transfer it firstly into their own name as the executor, then potentially sell the property using a contract and the vendor is that executor and then they can sign off the transfer to hand over the title either to um let's say a beneficiary if it's being done directly or if it's a sale of a property to a third party, you know, a potential buyer, then they're going to transfer it directly across to that buyer. The funds come back into the estate to be distributed to the
0: beneficiary. Oh, okay. So basically the executive becomes sort of the person in control of the estate until certain things have been sold or, or passed on to the beneficiaries or that's exactly the third
1: right. Because okay. someone needs to sign the contract, someone needs to sign the transfer transferring title to the new owner, the purchaser, that is the executor. And for an order for an ex- in order for an executor to be recognized by the land titles office to have that authority, they need to have probate. and any property any estate which has a, a property in it will require probate. Now probate can take anywhere from a month to six months or longer uh, to obtain from the Supreme Court hence the potential delay, in actually ending up with a, with a purchaser. So what some ex- estates will do, you would have you know, your listeners may have seen these types of contracts where it's effectively the executors who are selling on behalf of the estate, but that the executors aren't actually yet on title. The titles still in the name of the deceased. and the intention is that through probate, they will then buy what's referred to as transmission application. The executors will go on title. So they can transfer to the new owner,
0: so are there any sort of duties and taxes that they need to be paid between this kind of transfer, say for example if you're if as the husband and wife passed away and they're passing on to their children, do the children need to pay all these duties and taxes to be able to transfer into their name?
1: There is no sort of death duty at least at this point in terms of New South Wales law, so assuming let's say a particular property as you say, let's say it's held by a by the, um, the mother of the children. Um, generally, they outlive the husbands, unfortunately, So, or fortunately, as the case may be. So let's say that you know under an, a will, everything is going to, let's say, the mother's daughter, for example. Um, so on her death, that transfer f- under the will from the mum to the daughter would be free of duty, no duty implications. Um, now, there are other sort of capital gains tax implications which start arising after that point, So, for the purpose of actually obtaining probate, they'll look to see, well, what's the value of the property as at the time of death, which is noted on the probate, um, and thereafter that becomes that daughter's effective cost base. Uh, If she then sells the property subsequently, the capital gains that she will pay, if she's not leaving it as a primary residence, will be based on the probate value. So, there is that tax implication but that initial transfer has no duty implication.
0: So long, long-term wise, if you're planning for an estate, say for example, you're buying lots and lots of properties into um, I guess for the family, it'd be smart to actually put it into a particular um, I guess asset e.g. like a trust or, or a company or something like that so that way if you do pass in the future, it actually just gets transferred through that way or is it still okay to be purchasing in, under your own, own individual names? look that,
1: again um, that's that's a whole world unto itself and and both accounting sort of implications as well as legal ones um but i guess in a in a simple matter generally there's no issues with holding things individually there may be other reasons from the point of view of asset protection you know for business ventures and otherwise where you may want not want to have properties held in your own name and want to use trusts which can add that level of protection at least at the present time may not have the tax implications as well um, in terms of being able to distribute income coming out of those assets so again there's a whole raft of of I guess things that arise um, but certainly from a very simple basis of husband and wife buying a property in individual names, knowing that someday they'll want to hand that over to their kids through a will um, you know whoever is the survivor, there is no duty implications so At a simple level, that's fine. And where, I guess, the more complex you get, there's always going to be implications. So, for example, some people put in place what's called testamentary trusts in their wills for more complex uh, matters. But again, that can have other unintended consequences. So, as with all these things, it's general advice. And always, in this particular situation, they should be getting the advice of their accountants and lawyers in unison because... There are implications, you know, I guess during your lifetime, and then there are other implications as more estate planning for, for later on, which which need to be considered because you're raising very good questions which need to be thought through at the time the purchases are being made.
0: According to Gallert, one of the first things you'll get asked by your lawyer is when the funds are coming in. This is crucial information to share, and it can assist you with making sure your interests are protected and the purchase goes smoothly.
1: question we'll ask is where the funds are coming from for their potential purchase, um, which is an obvious obvious one, but um, and again a lot of the case, most people won't have formal approval, they'll generally have what's referred to as pre-approval or conditional Um, and again I'm not a broker so it's not our area but we always need to advise people to say you know the point is at least in New South Wales there are two ways to exchange contracts okay. One way is what's referred to as a conditional exchange one way is an unconditional. So if you're in an auction setting, that's unconditional. So once you put your hand up and you're the highest bidder and it's above a reserve, you're committed to that purchase. There's no getting out of that. Whereas if you do what's referred to as a conditional exchange, what that is is all residential property in New South Wales outside of an auction setting. If you just properties for sale, you're, you know, often um, you know match the price, you pay your money, there'll be what's referred to as a five business day cooling off period. That gives you five business days to decide whether or not you actually want to proceed. And it's during that time that you may try and get your finance formally approved, uh, get your valuations done, you know, and that sort of thing. If after those five days as the purchaser you choose not to proceed, you would normally only forfeit 0.25% of the purchase price Um, and you can effectively walk. So... You've got to know that, and, and in the alternative, you might have heard, or your listeners may have heard, what's referred to as the vendor requiring what's called a Section 66W certificate, which your lawyer signs, basically waiving your right to the cooling off period. Which I've got to say, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that there'll be a conditional exchange. It'll either be an auction, or they'll require a 66W from the lawyer to waive the right to the cooling off. Therefore. You need to have your finance basically sorted before you exchange is, is the fundamental point to make there.
0: Yeah, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? You mentioned that it seems to be happening more in the eastern suburbs because when I was working, say for example, in um, North ride uh, Concord around that kind of area which is more sort of inner west slash um, I guess, yeah, <laughs> north of Sydney so, so forth. I remember actually having to exchange, but they still had the five-day cooling-off period. Are you saying it's because this market being a more of a uh, seller's market, it, contracts exchanging much faster, and that's the reason why?
1: This is this is exactly the point. So the, what what happens is, and again, you know, we will have clients everywhere from Penrith, you know, through through to the Sydney's East, and yeah, that's why, as a general statement, we'd say certainly just. It just doesn't happen around these parts where where they're willing to do it. Because what happens is during that five business day cooling off, effectively the vendor's hands are tied. The purchaser, as I said, is potentially putting at risk 0.25%, but they may have two or three properties that they potentially are looking to do this with just so they don't know if one's going to come off or otherwise. What happens to the vendor is obviously while their hands are tied, the purchaser decides to walk. And in the meantime, the vendors lost whoever was that second highest bidder, if you like, because um, they've gone ahead and found some other property to purchase in the meantime. So vendors are very reticent to um, to really commit and take the property off the market, knowing that the purchaser has every right to walk. Um, and in the meantime, they've you know lost their next highest bidder. And it's just the way, in many ways, the agents sort of run. Um, whether it's an auction, pre-auction sort of, you know, these sort of Dutch auctions that sort of seem to happen quite a lot.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Gillett's advice for people looking to buy property.
1: It's important you tell your, whether it's, you know, lawyers, conveyances or otherwise, you know, what what you're trying to achieve so that, you know, that person enacting for you is is really best placed to make sure you're going to get what you want out of that.
0: His go-to resources
1: they're interested in strata law, there'll, there'll be a whole lot of information for example um, on the Fair Trading website which is a fantastic resource.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with Bank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply text me your email address to 04 99 1040 to get your copy today. Galert has dealt with a myriad of unusual situations in property, but tries to ensure that it's a win win situation for both parties. He's sure to put the needs of his clients first
1: one thing we really try and do really when we're acting for more vendors of properties is, as I, as I may have mentioned, um, you know, for the most part people are trying to lock in those potential, you know, purchases um, before they sell their properties. The alternate way, way to do it, which again can result in that real win-win is where people do potentially want to sell their property first, but what we try to do is um, put in place these settlement periods where effectively they may be, may be up to six months, for example. However, that the vendor would have the right to actually bring forward that settlement um, at their discretion. So that enables that seller of that property, for example, to go to market, sell their property. Now they've got effectively six months to find their next property, otherwise, they're out on the street renting. But during that time, if they do turn up to an auction, um, successfully purchase another property, which maybe settles in six weeks. Notwithstanding that they're not going to get their funds for six months, what they can do is bring forward that six month settlement to say, and basically put their buyer on notice that actually they're going to have to settle in that same six week period. So that then that um, yeah potential both you know seller of their property as well as that next one they're buying can be matched up, and they're not having to look at as I say get going down the route of bridging finance. So it's really going to work in their best interests. Now, obviously, that relies on a buyer for their property being prepared to wait up to six months, which you know may, they may not get their best offer. But in some situations, it's still you know in in the sort of seller's interest um, because it just allows them to have that uh, flexibility um, and reduce that anxiety of just you know worrying that they're going to be out on the street, as it were.
0: Alert and his team try to find the most practical solution for all your property needs. With their 50 years of experience, they can assist in any property circumstance.
1: So, and we try and take a very pragmatic view. Again, you know, referring back to my father's 50 years of experience, we're always trying to find the most practical outcome and, and where we can assist even the other party on the other side just to get things done from their point of view, whether it's an estate type situation where we may have had a lot of experience. Um, you know, we're always looking out for our clients. And if, if they want a settlement to go through we're not going to sit here and unduly delay it just because we may have a right to be able to do so under the contract. Uh we'll obviously protect and enforce our clients' rights where they require it, but in other scenarios we'll always make sure we listen to it and it's important you tell your whether it's, you know, lawyers, conveyances or otherwise, you know, what, what you're trying to achieve so that you know, that person enacting for you is is really best placed to make sure you're gonna get what you want out of that, you know, whether it's a whether it's a simultaneous settlement which is very stressful for some people. Um, you know they don't like that idea of effectively moving out of a property in the morning, having the removal of the truck with the engine running all day, um, waiting to hear whether the settlement's gone through so they can move into their new house.
0: His recommended resources include his website, Law New South Wales and the Department of Fair Trading.
1: Obviously, as a lawyer, Law side of New South Wales has some, has some you know great resources. Um, out there, and just particular guides, and, and we're always obviously happy um, to send people information, some of those guides, and that sort of thing um, through our particular website, uh, langellot.com.au. Uh, um, certainly, we've got some you know literary information on there, but beyond that, we can always direct people um, the best way, um, and particularly if they're interested in strata law, there'll there'll be a whole lot of information. For example. Um, on the Fair Trading website, which is a fantastic resource if they're looking for particular tenancies. So there's this whole realm which we haven't even got into is where properties, and this may be more pertinent to a lot of listeners, where they're looking to take on properties with existing tenancies in place. As an investment property, it's probably going to be more relevant to them um, to know, for example, what are their rights about when they can terminate any particular tenant if they're looking to buy a property um, or whether they have to you know, wait out certain periods before they can maybe get rid of an existing tenant so that they're able to, let's say, do up a property to then get a higher yield for that property. Um, so there's a whole range of negotiations which can go on and all relating to the sale and purchase of a property which can impact the amount of notice that you can give potential tenants. Um, so Fair Trading has some great information on that. Um, just a very simple example of that, for example, is... Normally, once the lease has expired, you have to give 90 days notice to a tenant. So obviously, for a potential purchaser, they may have to wait three months before they can, let's say, get a tenant to vacate at a lower rent, redo a place, and then um, rent it out at a higher yield. So to that end, if a property is under a um, contract for sale, um, provided the lease has expired and it's just an ongoing lease, um, the purchaser can request, at least, to the vendor, is that vacant possession be given on settlement, and then the vendor is actually able to issue a 30-day notice, um, so that by the time of settlement they get their property clear of tenants, they can redo it, do it up, and then get that higher yield three months earlier than they otherwise would be able to.
0: Yeah, that's really good point. So that kind of
1: information is yeah, it's crucial to sort of you know go in knowing what you're trying to achieve. Um, and therefore, again, you've got to sign all those things up, you know, well, well and truly before
0: beforehand. If you wish to connect with Tony Gellert and his team, learn more about the legalities of property, you can reach out to him via his website and phone number, which can be found in the show notes.
1: So, obviously, as I mentioned, our website um, langallet.com.au, uh, my email address. If they did want to contact me directly, which are most welcome, is tony at Um Alternatively, phone number, the old technology, um, 0293897315. More than happy to take a call. Always make ourselves available. Um, and yeah, I'd love to, love to hear from some of your listeners.
0: Thank you to Tony Gullert, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about Tony Gallett's story, visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Simply type in the search bar Tony Gallert and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.